Hello, welcome to Three Moves Ahead. I am your host, Rowan Kaiser. I am joined today by 3MA co-founder and longtime panelist, Troy Goodfellow. Hello, hello. And also, Ian, I didn't ask how you wanted to be introduced, so introduce yourself. Hey, my name is Ian Boudreau. I'm a senior news writer over at PC Games Zen. All right. Uh, today, we are getting extremely Civil War nerdy about Strategic Command, American Civil War, and other grand strategy games, uh, or grand macro strategic level or operational level uh, Civil War games, or just whatever other Civil War games we want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> Civil War is my my military history primary interest and also secondary and tertiary, so... Uh, I have a lot to say about this, and uh, the new game also let me invite Ian and Troy uh, to discuss this. Troy, do you want to talk about like how much you care about the Civil War and maybe give a, a quick Strategic Command overview here? I love the Civil War. Uh, no, right. uh, strategic Command is a series of war games by Fury Software, uh, mostly published uh, by Slytherin. A few years ago, we talked about Strategic Command World War One uh, on the podcast. Uh, these games are very traditional war games in a sense. There is, uh, it's mostly about moving your units around the map and they occupy hexes. These aren't unified commands really in any meaningful sense. There's no major economy to run. Your economy is based pretty much how much territory you hold, how much uh, in your supply lines come from major supply points, and major cities produce uh, purchasing power, which you then use to do research into better weapons, or to buy new units, or to, in this game, uh, and in the World War One game, do some diplomatic uh, overtures. Each turn, you have to allocate these points in different ways and try to capture your opponent's points so they can't uh, use them, and so you can strangle their economy that way. Uh, the Civil War game is very much, there isn't a whole lot to distinguish it uh, gameplay-wise uh, from the World War One or World War Two games, uh, except for... There are, as there is always in a Civil War game, there are interesting strategic considerations uh, to think about. There is about, there's a lot of, uh, there's a schedule of reinforcements. There's a schedule of events uh, that pop up. And how you deal with these events and how you take advantage of them can give you a major edge one way or another. Uh, you can play as, of course, the Union or the traitorous confederacy um and if you play as a confederacy there's a chance you might get european assistance if you play as a union there's a chance you might get mexican assistance uh this is a game of attrition in many ways it is about moving your units around the hexes deciding when you buy the units where to place them it is a very very traditional basic war game um which isn't a bad thing at all. I think that has a lot to recommend it. Uh, but it does mean that it, when it, does it feel like the Civil War is the question to ask and what do we want the Civil War to feel like? So I've put, right. you know, probably about a dozen hours into this or more of the World War One game. And it is, it's as I said on Twitter, it is a really big map. Um, 
the uh, and making the best use of that. It has the eastern front. It has the western front. It has some of the southwestern front. Uh, so they really and they have a huge scale uh, of hexes here. A, they really really gone into every secondary town uh, in the states. Um. I'm not sure I would actually call this a traditional war game, and I think this is something we can get into. It's uh, like, I think you might mean like in terms of interface and how it looks, but when I think of a war game, I think of a game that's kind of aiming for realism, and this is more aiming at a, like a Civil War theme. Uh, and I think that it's more successful as a game, perhaps, because of that, but uh, I'm not actually certain... Yeah, it's like... A, it's like a Civil War skin on a something else kind of game, which is very interesting to me. Uh, Ian, do you have any further thoughts on what this game does and uh, the context that it's in? Yeah, um, I think this is an interesting distinction. Uh, and I think the difference between what what constitutes a traditional war game uh, versus, um, you know, what another starting... It just depends on your starting point, I suppose. Uh, and this does feel very much... Uh, maybe not like a, a traditional computer war game, but it does feel very tabletoppy. Like this is mm. a, it, 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 it seems to kind of be going for a, a kind of tabletop experience. And I, and I like that about it. Um, I think the, uh, and I think Troy can probably talk uh, about, you know, how this is handled in the other strategic command uh, games better than I can. But I, uh, one thing that I think in a lot of uh, traditional quote unquote, traditional war games is that it assumes that you kind of have a pretty good grasp of the starting conditions and what's going on. And um, one thing I, I really appreciated about uh, this uh, strategic command, American Civil War, is that it, it it will guide you through the events of the Civil War if you want it to. The decisions that it presents you with are some of the kind of paradox style, uh, I would say, you know, like yes or no, or kind of binary decisions. Do you want to do this or not? Um, like uh, if General Garibaldi offers to come across, for, you know, from Italy and, and help out the Union, you accept his uh, his offer on condition of immediately uh, issuing the Emancipation Proclamation. And uh, along with every one of those decisions, you get a panel of notes that explains what actually happened and how that decision was taken historically. And so you can consciously decide whether or not you want to uh, go with the historical uh outcome of that decision or or play against it. I thought that was pretty smart and I, I've appreciated that about playing this game. Uh are you saying this because you're not like a Civil War expert or just that you like that idea in general? I like the idea in general. I'm also not I wouldn't say I'm in any way a Civil War expert. I I've played several Civil War games and I've I know the broad strokes, but no, it's not something that I've spent a whole lot of time studying or anything. All right, that that's good. We have we have a good variety here. Another um, thing I think Troy pointed out was that, yeah, it, the, the scale of the map kind of um, marks it as, I would say, uniquely American in that, um, you know, on the east side, right, where the, you know, around the Virginia border and where a lot of that close in fighting happens, you know, there's only a few hexes between uh, Washington, D.C. and Harper's Ferry. And then at the same time, you're managing the uh, uprising of the Missouri State Guard. and 
that's miles and miles to the west. And it's just in, in this massive state, Missouri, this massive territory. So um, that's an interesting, I think, to the extent we talk about this as being like a strategic command game with an American Civil War skin, like that's a meaningful difference, I would say, between um, the other theaters that these games have covered. Um, Troy, do you want to talk about those other theaters? Because this is the first time I have played any kind of strategic command game. Well, they're very similar uh, in many ways. I mean, you have, uh, it, it really is kind of just another board to set, play their system on uh, with different events and different diplomatic options. But the idea is you have uh, supply lines coming out and you have troops organized, not really as armies, but as chits. Uh, they're there you can and you plop them down wherever you want uh this would lead in the world war one game to you know you're you're playing the allies so you're gonna plop some french troops down in serbia uh or this sort of thing uh because everyone's on the same side so why not now, there aren't really any limits you're buying a french unit and you're putting them there uh so there's um as long as you've got a command unit there so there's all these it is a game that is about moving, buying and moving units. It is by a traditional war game, but what I meant is, yeah, it, it, in the, the base, yes, there are counterfactuals, but there are counterfactuals in many traditional war games. Otherwise, you know, why would you bother uh, fighting them? But it is traditional in the sense that you're moving chits on a board uh, compared to other computer war games set in this period, which you might want to talk about, like, say, uh, Grand Tactician or uh, Gary Grigsby's game, where you are moving where your chits are armies and you compose the armies of different types of units. You don't have a division and then you move that division in a hex. You have a division underneath an army and underneath that division, you have different brigades and you can split all those off. The types of things you would see that are more common in computer war games. Uh, I think Ian's comparison of this to a board war game or you know the really old uh, operational type war games uh, you would get uh, maybe 10, 15 years ago. This is very much <laughs> in that line. Um, and the World War Troy. I game was quite, was, 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 was like that. And you know, with, you know, some interesting, what Troy. I think what sets the strategic command games apart is how the events, in many ways, it is a potted history of, the conflict in that events, for example, the game starts at before, right when Fort Sumter happens, and you have all of these events firing, 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 and they don't seem to have a whole lot of importance. I'm not sure they're one of the options to start at Bull Run, and I think it makes more sense to start at Bull Run, but it goes through. Oh, and there's a riot in Baltimore. Does it have any effect on anything you do? Nope, but there's a riot in Baltimore. You're going to lose some uh, defense points there, but it doesn't matter because the North, the South's not going to invade uh, up there anyway. There's a uh, conflict in Missouri. What are you going to do, yes or no? Um, and the strategic command games are kind of like that. At certain points, there will be decisions well, often based more on the historical timeline in like really old fashioned Europa Universalis type ways. Hey, it's 1492, time to get Columbus type thing, more than uh, triggered by certain game states. However, certain game states can lead to other types of conflicts, other types of events. Um, 
so it is an interesting uh, combination. It is a it is it is an operational level. It, it, operational art of war is probably the most similar type of game I can think of. Some of the large monster scenarios people would design for that. Nothing that you know Koger would make because the system really doesn't work that well uh, at this type of scale. But uh, it is the same general idea. Um, and, and I, I think the World War One game was a very good game because it's a hard conflict to do. Um, yeah. And I think that one of the issues with it is it does lead to static fronts. There's a lot of bumping up against fronts, and that worked very well for World War One. Whether it works for the Civil War, I guess, depends on how you understand the Civil War. Troy, when you say like the heyday of operational games was 10 or 15 years ago you know 10 years ago was 2012 right i know i know that was know. that was when <laughs> yeah. XCOM, the XCOM reboot and crusader kings 2 came oh, out F- 15 <laughs> let's say 15 20 years ago how's that God. 20 25 Roy, years at this point anything that happened in 2019 was the before times and all of that <laughs> there should be yeah there's there's that there's time dilation that's going on and and i don't think any of us should be expected to understand how that works at this point I chirped the Toronto Blue Jays, and they have three kids of players that I watched as a as an adult. So you know, yeah. they have a BGO, they have a Bichette, they have a Guerrero, <laughs> and it's oh, like no. you know, this is just wrong. It's just it's become it's time to crumble to dust and head out to the wet. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so um, that's what the, so that's what the, the games are. Uh, you know, they're you're, you're you're moving armies on a hex, and a lot of your the decision points come down to what do you buy, what do you need, how your purchases fit with your strategy. And, uh, and for the civil war, for a civil war, a lot of that comes down to when do how many gunboats do I buy? Uh, can I protect the seas from raiders? Do I put my brigades or divisions? Brigades are probably better at west, where you don't need a lot of supply. You want your divisions out east. Um, so it's and the the research uh, tree, investing your points in uh, different tactics and different weapons, um, or investing in diplomacy for the Union, keeping the Europeans out for the Confederates, bringing the Europeans in. Uh, these are all parts of the strategic command system, um, and they do they can lead to interesting alternate paths in this game. So, um. I think that the comparison to World War One is very interesting when we're talking about the Civil War because this is a war that began thinking it was a Napoleonic War and ended becoming a proto World War One with like mass trench warfare. And this game, this system creates uh, sort of static fronts across the map that you. I don't want to say you always have to deal with the static fronts. There are ways around it. And I think the game is interestingly good at it. I wouldn't say it's like mm. historical, but it's it's got like historical type thinking behind how to break down those fronts. But yeah, one of the first things I notice about this game is that from 1861 to 1863, uh, maybe even longer, uh it's basically Union troops facing Confederate troops between Manassas and Fredericksburg and maybe uh, in front of Nashville was uh, the other main front that I had. And it was just kind of a war of attrition. It was like the Siege of Petersburg from the beginning where uh, 
my goal was to try to knock out troops, get a little breathing room, and then maybe win the war in some other ways. And this is the main reason that I say that it's sort of like a, a Civil War skin on an alternate game, because, uh, you know, the Union captured Nashville in early 1862. Uh, the Eastern Front was static in terms of nobody actually threatened the other capital except in in vague senses but it was not static in terms of where the battles were which uh shifted north and south uh pretty regularly um so i think this game does require a little bit of sort of rethinking about what your strategic goals and your sort of tactical operational methods for achieving those are that does make it stand out in civil war ways that uh i don't necessarily i don't necessarily like as someone who really wants to like refight the civil war as it was but i do like it as this is a pretty good game i think that's a good way to put it like it's a very approachable game but i think that it's capacity to let you really dig into what happened and what might have happened uh should things have been di uh different a little bit on like there's no way I think uh, as uh, as Troy pointed out earlier, there's there's not like an order of battle really uh, that you have to ever be considering. Like a, a brigade is just a smaller unit size than a division. Like the, the organization of units doesn't really factor in at all. Um, so, yeah, the it's it's. It's much it's a, it's a I guess I, I don't I hate to say shallower, but it. Like it's it's shallow in a way that makes it much more approachable, I think, and and yeah. fun to play. I mean, in I terms think, of yeah, I think like we kind can of say, coming up with alternate history. No, I don't think you can really do that with this. This is this is relatively simple in that, like, you click on your unit, you right click where it's going to go or who it's going to attack, and then you go to the next one and you go to the right. next one. And uh, these things are fast; they're pretty fun. Uh, it, it feels nice when you finally manage to break through and take Nashville. Like this is, this is not necessarily a weakness with this game. No, not at all. That's why I, I, I didn't want to call it oh, shallow sorry. because I think that's by, it's by design. It's supposed to be like this. It's, and it's fun. One of my questions when I approach a game like this set in a period is, can I do the things that they did? And I can't see how I could say as Lee, push into Pennsylvania. Yeah. I can't see how, as Sherman, I cut down through, you know, the Shenandoah down into uh, Georgia and just, you know, outflank everybody. Uh, it is so much, as you say, Rowan, it's so much a war of attrition kind of from the beginning. I mean, yeah, Richmond's going to be fortified and uh, that's, that's great. Which going to be strong. It has to be strong. They give you a lot of free. The Confederates get a lot of free units uh, at, at at a certain point to make sure that Richmond doesn't fall too quickly to the Union forces. Uh, a lot of recruits, you know, stagger in bit by bit. Um, it wants you to do some things that were done historically. For example, in very early, very early on, it says, "Hey, one of your goals has to be New Orleans." And to take New Orleans, you're going to need these kinds of units. Here's how you get them. Here's what you do. So it's very clear that, oh, the Mississippi is the key to the war. You should make sure you take New Orleans, cut the Confederacy in half. Ta-da. Yeah, I think. And, that, and the, the, so that's fine, and that's great. But, you know, as you say, you know, there isn't that push-pull through Virginia 
and the Carolinas and any of that. They're, the Peninsular Campaign is just throwing more units into the long siege of units you keep reinforcing and reinforcing and reinforcing for four years. So I kind of won. I, it, it's fine, but I kept bumping into this isn't this isn't a civil war game that I recognize in many ways. Well, I will say that there is one aspect that I think it does actually kind of simulate the civil war in. And the manual actually like very directly says this. It basically says like, when you get a breakthrough in one place, you will see evidence of that helping you all across the map. And I think the biggest one for that is playing as the union. When you start going in and taking Confederate uh, um, coastal towns and cities, uh, New Orleans is the big one that like the first time you take New Orleans, it feels like the entire map kind of relaxes uh, just because the Confederacy has a little bit less of an economic economic buff from, you know, a major city. Uh, they might have to shift new new units to um, Louisiana in order to stop potential further campaigns. Uh, and then, like, the more you do that, and then when you start to maybe try to reinforce some of these regions and maybe push on ahead, um, like, the Peninsular campaign is difficult to recreate because these hexes are so small. But if you manage to take Norfolk and start landing units there and pushing in on Petersburg from the south, uh, then you start seeing the Confederacy kind of like get a little desperate about moving troops around. Um, the AI is also really, really aggressive uh, in a way that seems like it's a really good. Um, it. I only played as the Union. I, I had some technical issues that stopped me from starting a Confederate game. Uh, but the Confederacy, basically, any road that it could attack through, it would try. And if I, like, totally deserted any front or mostly deserted, left a brigade or two, they would probably exploit that and it would probably be really embarrassing and have to take a lot of resources to go and fight back against that. So the game actually trained me fairly well and like, okay, you're moving on all these fronts and you need to figure out which one of these you are going to like make your push in at what point. Um, and for the union, like the biggest success there is naval. Uh, if you can start taking those cities, then the Confederacy will be weaker overall and you'll actually see that happening. And this is this is a thing that, you know, Makes me want to wear my Winfield Scott was right t-shirt. <laughs> Ian, how did this feel to you as someone who only knows the broad strokes of the Civil War? Um, well, I, I think I did. Um, like, I, I noticed the lack of unit organization or, or you know, the, so you don't wind up having the same kinds of... Uh, generals are, are units. They're represented in the, uh, in the game as their own chit and, and they kind of add a command buff to any units that are, are in their neighborhood basically. So, um, that's about the extent of that. So I, I did miss, I guess, having those, um, those, those characters kind of, uh, to, to provide some, uh, personal color to the, to the events. But, um, I, I don't know. I, I, as a like civil war tourist, I guess. Um, 
there, there was like there was a lot for me to, to enjoy about this. And, and uh, I'm still playing through the uh, blue and gray campaign that starts in 1861. Um, I've, I've really appreciated how it uh, takes into account um, the different Indian tribes, um, the dynamic and changing relationships between the Union and the Confederacy and European powers. Um, there, there, there's a lot like as a, as a trip through the Civil War, I've, I've been really enjoying it uh, again, you know, not as somebody who's trying to uh, play with the timeline or, or kind of uh, tug at the tapestry of what really happened, but more as just to kind of experience it and um, uh, and just see how it how it plays out. I've I've yeah, I think this has been really satisfying. And the fact that it's <clears throat> not throwing an overwhelming amount of information the way that a Gary Grigsby's game might uh, right away. Uh, that just, it makes it a comfortable game to sit down and, and just kind of experience. So I've, yeah, I've, I've, I've thought that this was a, it, it's a good game for somebody who's coming at it at my level. I think. Troy, how do you feel about the, the lack of orders of battle? Well, I mean, it's, it's hard, right? I mean, these are armies, the civil war is, you know, such a great, mythic powerful story uh, in the Americas. And a lot of that is tied down to uh, the generals who become, you know, great figures. Uh, it's, you know, it's Meade versus Gideon versus Lee. It's Grant versus all comers. It's Sherman, Sherman and fire versus the state of Georgia. Uh, but, you know, you have great figures, you know, the, the Stonewall Jackson and uh, Joshua Chamberlain. And, you know, you have, generals and figures and personalities who through their command and as leaders of men, to use that terrible phrase, uh, were different from each other, had different strategies, different approaches, different characteristics, but they had their men. They were like Napoleonic figures, Napoleonic marshals who led units and they were distinct units and they had distinct commands. Now this, of course, order of battle thing continues on into the 20th century. Yeah, we talk about Patton's army and we talk about, you know, uh, Guderian's army and uh, and so on. But it's kind of different when you're leading, you know, 50,000 men through the brush on a horse. And there's a sense that these I look back to, I think about ultimate general uh, civil war, where you are, you are the game, you are the general, you build your own order of battle, and you fight the civil war with your army. Um, it is, you know, a very, it is a war game role playing experience. Um, but it is definitely your army. I think about Grand Tactician uh, Civil War, which came out, which is still, I guess, being worked on in one way or another. It's constantly getting improvements. Uh, I guess it's out of early access, but it is kind of uh, finally, it was officially out and it's been worked on. But you are, you build armies and the armies you send to do things and they fight the battles. Here, the lack of an order of battle and having the art generals is just chits. Uh, who would give a general buff bonus. It is, you know, it's very, very board gamey. But again, it's one of those things that makes me feel like, yeah, this is this is a game, as you say, set in the Civil War. Uh, it is yeah. set in eighteen in the 1860s, but it isn't necessarily the Civil War you know, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. That is okay. It's okay to have a game that has the setting and the theme 
and the maps and the same strategic challenges, because strategic, even though the system isn't necessarily 19th century warfare, the strategic challenges are still the same. You still need to uh, keep keep your morale up, protect your your economic strong points, etc. There's no, you know, this is just, like I said, it's a pure war game. There's no economic development. There's no political sub-game you have to play. There's a diplomatic angle, but that's pretty much it. Um, so I, I kind of miss having the idea of, okay, here are the two armies, and they meet, and they fight it out, like you would get in, like, Civil War Generals or or, or the like, uh, or a Jod's game, or pretty much many of the Civil War games up until uh, this one. But that's that might it might be a small thing. I think a lot of that is the legacy from the World War One game, um, where they have to develop fronts, and it's easier to have you know just just move your shit into the place, and that counts as a soldier who's there. Uh, how you would do it with the generals fighting it out? Um, I mean, that comes down to there are lots of. Games have tried lots of different ways of doing that through mini games or through fighting in the battles yourself, or you know just a combination of odds and supplies and general skill, etc. Um, so there are ways of doing it. They decide to just have their chits of different strengths, uh, different yeah. supply levels run into each other. A division versus a division. They look at yeah, what, what is what is the fortification level? What is the terrain? How is their infantry combat scores? You have these bonuses, pluses, and minuses all the way through, but ceteris paribus, 10v10, will lead to a stalemate. Yeah, um, I think that, you know, lots of these games have different philosophies for how they're trying to trying to model, you know, what what is a battle? Yeah. And this game doesn't have a battle. It's all on the big map. It's all operational. You're never changing perspectives or screens. You're never getting something like simulated off in a different direction. Uh, the Grigsby Civil War game simulates the battles. It says, here's a big battle. Uh, and now we're going to see like which troops are getting hurt and who's winning. Um, and then, you know, Grand Tactician and some other games try to like have a full tactical point of view underneath that you just like completely switch modes. Um, this game, you never switch modes. You're always in the same mode. And it's very interesting for a game that si it's simulating an era that's like, you know, these are the these are the battles and people that we know. We know that like Stonewall Jackson got his name because he sat on one particular place in the Bull Run battlefield in Virginia um, and defended it against all comers. Like this is this is not because, you know, some hex that was vague or some chit that was vaguely attached to him was there. So it does kind of ruin the mythic aspect of it, but does increase the, the simplicity and like, you know, there are still strategic considerations. Yeah. What you, what, just as you said, Rowan, like what you wind up with is a game that is imminently playable. Uh, but it, but as a civil war game, if what you're approaching a civil war game is uh, to uh, recreate the drama or the geography and that's really what I think a lot of the popular history of the Civil War is, is based on these very specific locations and and very specific battles like, you know, Pickett's Charge and, um, you know, the, all the different locations that make up uh, the Gettysburg battle, battlefield and that morning. Um, 
that's all lost based on the scale of this, you know, this operational scale. Those just don't really happen um, in uh, in strategic command. Uh, that again, you, you're trading that for a game that becomes incredibly playable at the you know full war scale. Um, so it, it it's going to depend exactly really on um, what you want out of a civil war game experience. Yeah, and you know, I I enjoyed this. I played a I played a full campaign as the Union. I won. I I played two. I think I had one that got you know into 1862, and I realized that this AI was a lot stronger than I expected. And I realized, no, I want something that you know has has these people, has promotions, has yeah. uh, the the divisional organization, has the rivalries, has the feuds, all those all those things. And you know, I went and. I finally gave Civil War Generals a try, uh, which for some reason, when it came out 25 years ago, uh, I mean, 10 or 15 years ago, uh, Mm -hmm. I had like dismissed. And that's actually a really fun little game. And then I was like, all right, if we're going to do a full full discussion of Civil War strategy games, I went on to Grand Tactician finally. And um, I, I like started it on Friday night. We're recording on Monday, Monday afternoon. Uh, and I, I've just been in like the civil war days. It's like, they're trying to do everything and it seems to be working. Oh my God. But also like, if you're not a civil war expert, that game is terrifying. If you are a civil war expert, it's still kind of terrifying. It's a let's lot. Talk, let's talk a bit about grand technician. That is a game that has <laughs> came out in the fall last fall and has been revised, improved, updated pretty much constantly since then. It is a it is a truly a grand strategy war game about the Civil War with a huge economic sub-game where you can have subsidies on industries. You have a national credit rating. Yes. You have, you know, political stuff going on. Uh, And you have the option to fight the battles when they happen. And they don't just drop you into the two armies fighting against each other and you have to maneuver the battlefield. They start with the armies miles apart and you have to maneuver to get to the victory points before the other people do. You might not even see the other army at all. Um, It's it's kind of a hide-and-seek try to find them, hunt them down type of uh, game where there's the importance of scouting on a battlefield becomes uh, highlighted. It is a game that is trying to do so many things. And then, and yet, what it shows you when you go through the tutorial and it says, here's your credit rating. Here's your subsidy menu. Here's this, here's that. You it also says, and if you want, you can have me, your AI cabinet secretary, do it. Um, yeah, just I, to, I, like just to yeah. hit on the on the the issue of scale that you touched on there, Troy. I, I just want to emphasize that in Grand Tactician, you are concerned with your national credit rating, and also in the same game, uh, you also have to be concerned about whether or not your units are outside of your commander's bugle range. Because they'll yes. <laughs> respond at a different, they'll, they'll respond much more slowly if a pony has to get sent to deliver the orders rather than 
if they could hear the command on a bugle call. So like that's the that's that's the zoom that there is in this game. It's, it's, it's very much it's very much like like scourge of war, but top down. In that the or, when you get an order, it has to go out from the general to the dude before yeah. they can do it. Uh, the bugle sound is just, the, the the bugle round is where they can hear the bugle call. So it's pretty clear what they need to do. Um, and if well, you give too many contradictory orders, like you're, you start fussing around, like trying to micromanage your units, you get the horrible traffic jam as the orders start, you know, conflicting and getting a real mess. And at the same time, yeah, you have to worry about, you know, economic subsidies. And you can turn, you can give all the economic stuff and political stuff over to your cabinet and just do the army moving stuff. But I'm always kind of wary when a game gives me that option too many times. I'm thinking about uh, Forge of Freedom, which is a Civil War game. Oh, God, I don't want to, I'm trying to look that up. I should have looked up when this came out because it was like, it's another uh, Slytherin type game. Uh, 2006, Forge of Freedom, the American Civil War, which also has factory building, political stuff, deep economic game. But instead of saying, oh, you can let the AI handle this, you could just turn those systems off, which seems to me to be a very broken way to have a game. If there's a core system you can just turn off, and there are a lot of them, then I kind of wonder why they're there to begin with. Now, you hand things over to an AI viceroy, a virtual viceroy type thing, then the system's still in there. The system is still operational. But it's not teaching me how to use it if I don't understand the credit rating any better now than I did when I started playing with the credit rating. All I know is, as always happens in these games, I'm bankrupt. Uh, so, yeah. but it is it is such an ambitious game that I don't have a firm, I don't have an opinion on it because it's just too much. Uh, Rowan, how, how, either. how have your times been with it? Rowan, you said you played it this weekend? Yeah, I, I mean, I made it to July 1861, and I'm, actually, I might still be in June. Um, I am I am completely smitten. This is like everything that I wanted, and so far I haven't found where it breaks. I'm sure it does. <laughs> There's way too much not to break. Um, I'm sure I'm going to find something like the, you know, the... AI will never like demote or replace a general or something really annoying like that, that, that takes me out. But, um, like I'm sitting here like reorganizing all of my units, making sure that each brigade has a general that comes from the state that the brigade is from. And then I'm going to like, you know, organize them up from there when, when they perform well in battle, uh, the battles are, so the key thing with the, when you're talking about the Civil War is that at a tactical level, at the, the battle level, and also, you know, in terms of armies moving, but especially in the battles, these were confusing and incompetent as hell. Like, the reason that Lee and Grant are, you know, the names that echo through history is that they're like the commanders who show the most basic competence at all points. Um you you read about any given battle, especially before 1863, uh, and it's just like 
the general sent an order that nobody could understand what it meant. And so the division never actually attacked what it was supposed to attack. And uh, meanwhile, the it, there was like a completely open line because some regiment had pulled out and decided to go off uh, and defend a completely different uh, structure there. And like, how do you model that in a war game? Well, almost and, and every is, war game. Oh, this is not a. This is this is a rhetorical question, or or it's a question I'm working on. Um, you <laughs> model that in a war game either by giving the people who are playing like complete power and just like, yeah, what happened will be modeled by you know that regiment that disappeared. They're just going to have really low morale or something. You you like hack the system to get some sort of like vaguely. Uh, historic, historic-ish, historic uh, outcome there. Um, it's very rare to actually have an indirect control with commanders who will fuck up for you, or you will fuck up and you don't even know how you're fucking up. You don't have the information. You don't have that. Like it, This has happened. Uh, Troy, how much did you play Great Battles of Napoleon? Great Battles of Napoleon? It's no. like 19, 1986 SSI game. Oh, we're God. Going, Not a lot. We're going back. Yeah. Uh, this is this is a game that's like built on the idea that you are the person in charge of an army and you like send messages telling people, all right, go attack that hill if you can. And sometimes they will and sometimes they won't. Um Grand Tactician is trying to do that in a real-time game. It's not like having these things be, you know, one decision that's made at 5 p.m. and then your 5.30 turn will decide uh, you'll see what happened or not. This is like a constant thing where you tell tell one of your commanders, I want you to go attack the Confederates on that hill, and then they see if they feel like doing that or, you know, they hate the other brigade commander down the road, so they decide not to. Um, or they're just completely incompetent. They don't have, they have a super low initiative. Uh, they're for whatever reason. And like, then you could go to the strategic level, get rid of them and try another guy. And it's like, this is all happening, not in a, a battle thing where each of the battles is created, uh, in a way where like the AI is given the chance to do these terrible things that happened historically because, um, you know, that's embedded in the game. It's happening on a game that's like doing this emergently. And I'm just astonished that this has happened. Any war game, any war game, this is incredible for, but for a civil war game, which has this particular, it's in this particular era where it's like modern in terms of, we have so much information about what happened now. Um, But it's like pre-modern in that, contemporary uh 20th century i don't know what how to how to like define this but like there's only like a little bit of direct uh communication between commanders you don't have you don't have consistent telegraphs you don't have telephones wireless you don't have airplanes uh you just have people like struggling through the forest and maybe hearing a bugle call and maybe marching to the sounds of guns. And it's just a confusing mess. And like when I started the sort of pseudo bull run battle uh, from the campaign in this, I'm playing as the union and marching like 
my five divisions uh, down various roads and terrified of when the Confederates are actually going to show up, where they're going to show up. Like, I don't have any cavalry with me. Uh, I don't, I, it's just like this completely wild ride of being confused and not having the information and knowing that something is going to happen. That's going to fuck it all up. And you know, that's the feeling that a civil war game should not necessarily should uh, a civil war game that's tried to like really be historical in terms of you are the general here you are the president or uh, this game's trying to do both of those uh it's trying to capture that and so far it's succeeding like i said i expect something to come and shatter my uh shatter my crush at some point soon but right now uh i'm i'm completely all in but I can't blame you for having a crush on it because let's talk just for a minute. I know this is fluff, but I don't think it's unimportant that Grand Tactician does such a good job of selling the setting and the era yes. and the and the place. Uh, every element of the UI um, and all the all the sounds and the the look and feel of everything is consistent uh, with 1860s uh, Americana, right? Like the the correspondence uh, the, the telegrams or telegraphs that you read as the uh as the commander are are they're signed you know uh, your most respectful servant uh you know and with the apostrophes and, and contractions <laughs> it's on on paper that's been unfolded that you pull it out of an envelope there's yeah. uh, all the I, the icons the the artwork the, the amount of work that went into the UI UX for this game is astounding. And I think that it, it really enhances the, um, again, that, that feeling that you mentioned Rowan of, you know, that kind of confusion and, and that lack of information that, uh, you know, would have characterized, uh, the, the feeling of being on the ground during the civil war. Um, that I think again, fluff, but it really helps, I think, uh, sell it. Yeah, and this is this is a pretty small team. Like this is like six people. It looks like something like uh, that. Plus, yeah, plus plus uh, a bunch of volunteers who are working as well. Um, and like that's I I don't really understand how this is possible. And if this is possible, why we don't have one of these for Napoleon or whatever? And like why? why we've been stuck with like uh the AGOD games as like the main grand strategic level uh default kind of a model or just the only games around um those those games do have their strengths they they do have a lot of appealing things about them but this just feels like it's from an entirely different direction. Uh, it, 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 it is almost a creative assembly game, right? It's almost a total yeah. war type game in the way yeah. that it's yeah. structured. It's just, you know, a little bit cruder in the interface. It's not always clear what exactly is going on. The battles are set, you know, very far apart. Um, but as far as a representation of its time, of its era, it has the same sort of structure and ambition as a total war game. If you were to put a team of 500 people on this, uh, I'd probably never leave my computer. Yeah. Um, if uh, the first time I played it, like I, I 
right after it came out, or even maybe before, we might have had a review code for the the initial early access release. And my initial instinct was like, holy shit, this is a Paradox Civil War game. Well, the tactical tactical side can't be that good. Uh, like, you, you can't possibly do, like, a really interesting strategic level real-time thing that you also go in and do the battles. Like, this is... <sighs> Even something like Total War, the battles are not like intended to be any kind of simulation. They're intended to be like fast, fun, uh, arcade, arcade battles more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ar- arcade is is maybe a strong term, but it's also if you're coming at it from the Grognard perspective, yes, absolutely. Um, whereas this is, you know, these are trying to do. Uh, kind of a lighter version of Sid Meier's Gettysburg in the battles. And even then, it's got all this complete chaos and uh, your generals not getting your orders for a while and having to like deal with uh, when and how people will understand what you're trying to tell them to do that uh, not even Gettysburg or Ultimate General has. Um, yeah, it's it's baffling to me how ambitious and mostly successfully like there there are definitely some major interface issues that i have with it and i i you know fighting with some things and i'm probably doing some economic things completely terribly wrong uh but um that's also you know what lincoln and the union did so uh, <laughs> by 1863 i might have a clue and uh yeah you can also have your generals have feuds with one another and this makes them like start going in different directions or not moving or uh, this is like one of the huge things about the civil war that happened is that like, you know, one of Grant's core commanders just like, will say, Oh, I don't really like Grant anymore. I'm going to go off onto this completely different hill. And yeah, you've, you've model- lost cannons. It's great. Yeah. You're modeling this in a game that, uh, you know, this is, uh, just looks and feels so different from so many war games that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super impressed. Even if, even if I do end up finding that thing that makes this game super easy or super frustrating, like they're so much closer than any, uh, any other attempt that I have seen at trying to do like the whole civil war for, and that may not be what you want. If you want to do strategic command that you can, uh, you know, get through a year of that game in, uh, you know, a single sitting, then yeah, that's a completely different feeling. Grand Tacticians also, I mean, it was, uh, Troy mentioned that, you know, it, it, it started in early access. Uh, now it's, I don't think it's in early access anymore, but they are no. still coming out with significant updates. I think just this past month, they overhauled the entire economic system. Uh, the AI, when it launched uh, for the, uh, uh, for the battles anyway, was pretty broken. Um, I don't think that's the case anymore. They've also gone from 2D sprites when it went into early access to full 3D models for the soldiers on the uh, in the battlefield uh, scenes. Uh, it's really amazing, like what they've added to it since it came uh, since it started early access. Yeah. Um- I mean, yeah, in, I- in, in the battles, you can like you can set up fortifications. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could like have your guy, oh, they're coming that way. I found them. They're coming towards you. I'll start digging some trenches. And you can set up, you can prepare your army in a battle on the ground of your choosing. 
which is just pretty damn cool. So uh, I do also want to talk about the Gary Grigsby game, which gets at like the feeling of the Civil War in a completely different direction. I've I've been generally one of the bigger proponents of that game for a while as uh what is really a fast and fairly simple strategic level civil war game it's just a little bit a little bit difficult for a few reasons age is one of them uh just like interface stuff and then it doesn't really have a great tutorial but uh when you actually get into it you can you can really go through and just kind of make these key grand uh strategic level decisions that uh strategic command sort of does as well but uh have either of you played that game i've played a little bit it's um like a lot of the Grigsby games it's like it's me versus it, it's it's gary Grigsby versus my, my bad eyesight at a certain point you know i just need the letters to be bigger um, yeah th- this is one of those age things where it you know runs in a certain window and that window is no longer what computer monitors look like anymore um, it it feels like it it came from that this like last gasp of the mid two thousands era windowed type of things like just before it would have been like okay you're putting this on Steam you have to kind of make this a thing that people will be able to click on and use and be happy with and it'll look okay uh, I I wish it would get an update like that that would but it, it is nice. again it, it's a it's a like a lot of Grigsby's games it is a very good. Uh, serious uh simulation of of the war um you are have there's a lot of if you're very careful in your mouse clicking when you're moving your units around because i find i'm often moving the wrong units um uh, from the commands and the sub commands uh but it's as far as order of battle management it's pretty good i think uh, as far as splitting armies off and sending them different directions, because I don't know if you'll want to split your army. Um, despite advice to common advice to the contrary, sometimes you need to split your army. It's not always going to be a Stonewall Jacks to defeat you in detail. So yeah, so it it is like the the Grigsby games of that there uh, is a lot, and it is like the serious simulation, but. Uh, it's not like the Grigsby games that a lot of people will think of when they think of that name, where it's, you know, this is the entire Eastern Front of World War II down to every individual soldier. No, this no. is this is like by far the uh the most macro game of of the ones that we've talked about. I think of any uh any grand civil war game that I've played that is making an attempt to be a war game instead of yeah, just kind it, of a because it, it it's, it's territory by territory, right? Region territory by region by... by region. And I think one of the big reasons that I like to bring it up is that it has the way that it uses the map of the America of the American continent is maybe a little deterministic, but it makes you really like understand why the war went the way it went. Um, If you don't have railroads connecting your armies, you are going to have serious supply troubles, whether it be supply in terms of just like keeping your, keeping your troops intact or um, supply in terms of, you know, getting reinforcements out there. So like, as the Union, if you're making these attacks through uh, through the Western Front down um, down into Mississippi, down through 
Eastern Tennessee, uh, like it always feels like you could just walk down this road and take what you want. But as soon as you get there, you get stuck. Your your generals have initiative stats and those initiative stats basically say, can you move or can't you move? And you're constantly wrestling with them. And, you, you know, you start the game with very bad generals, especially as the union that have zero initiative. So you're just sitting and waiting until they get that initiative up or until a general somewhere else has won enough that you can promote them without taking a major political hit and, you know, kick McClellan out and get granted instead. Um, It's really good at the order of battle type of thing where it's just like, here's your division. You can drop a brigade into it. You can drop six brigades into it. You can put, you know, five infantry brigades to artillery brigades because this general feels like he's good at that. You can have sub commanders. They get wounded. They get killed in ways that's like really interesting to be like, oh, okay, well, I don't have grant for six months. Uh, I guess I'm going to have Sherman command this corps. And then if you don't have Sherman there or, you know, he's already doing his own thing, then you have to get some MOOC in there. Yeah, it, it's never great to have your best general going on the, on the disabled list for three months because you tore a rotator cuff or whatever. Yeah, or, you know, they get killed or whatever. Um, so it's it's really fast and good at, like, doing those things. It's just a game where it feels so much more complicated than it actually is because you're just presented with a map and, like, you know, that line of buttons across the top of the screen where some of them are the most important buttons in the game that you have to click every turn. And some of them are like, here's what color your ship's mast is. That's, that's an exaggeration. There's none that are quite that bad, but like you, you never need to click on like two thirds of them and you always need to click on another third and they're all the same size. That's Um, been my experience. I've only played Gary Grigsby's war in the East too, or tried to, I, I, I should probably take some kind of graduate course in it. I've got the textbook which is the manual, which is some 500 odd pages long. But uh, yeah, there is kind of a information prioritization problem (laughs) that that game has. Uh, uh, So, yeah, yeah. I I remember the first, not the first war of these, not the one for the 80s, but the one that came out uh, 10 years ago that we did the show on. Uh, The tutorial for that was literally here is this button. This is what it does. Here is this button. This is right. what it does. It did made absolutely zero attempt to contextualize them in terms of how you do the things that you want to do as a general. Um, it was it was a goddamn nightmare. I ended up, you know, having a decent amount of fun with it. But uh, like I said, this the the Civil War game is like the complete opposite of that in terms of the actual scale, because like you're just I think it's like every two months, maybe it's just every month, but you're just like saying, I want to attack Eastern Tennessee. This core has initiative. I'm going to send them in. This other core doesn't have initiative. Uh, I wish I could send them in. Maybe I got to send another general over there. Maybe I got to replace them, uh, but maybe it'll work. And then like it's just sort of balanced in a in a really effective way for making you actually like feel like the progress of the war is going according to the progress of how you've decided to prioritize your decisions. Um, Yeah. And most of it is just, you know, you click on something and then you right click on the place that you want to attack and that's your turn. 
Uh, maybe you go build a factory after that. Uh, I made a bunch of videos to try and, you know, provide a tutorial, but I'm not sure I ever actually uploaded them. Uh, I would probably have to do that all again uh, just for my own perfectionism's sake. But um, yeah, it's it's a game that I highly recommend. And I don't know how long the sale is or if it's still going, but Slytherin has a thing where if you buy like, I think it's if you buy any Grigsby game, you get that one for free. Um, but yeah. I I am I am a big fan of that one as something where if you want like a fast playing relatively simple game it just takes you know a few hours to actually figure out what the fuck you're doing in it in a way that strategic command doesn't um but yeah these these three games provide three very different uh perspectives of the whole war that are all pretty like i don't know useful is not quite the right word but like they they have different different angles that they're trying to get at that they have three different perspectives and that's great i love it uh troy what what are you as a as a civil war buff looking for in civil war games and like what, what where's that sweet spot what do you want to do and when and how and what games do you have you gone to for that I mean, it really depends. Some of the games do different things well. I mean, like I just said, I like the ambition of, you know, Grand Tactician, but I don't have time. I don't have time to learn to game, play the games that I'm making, let alone the other games. Uh, so it's but something like that. I, 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 a game that has... I don't want to have to build factories. I think that's, <laughs> you know, a bit too far. I'm the generalissimo. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Lincoln. I'm Winfield Scott. I'm, I'm that guy. Uh, I'm Jefferson Davis. I'm, you know, Joe Johnson. I'm whomever. Um, so, but I do think there should be some political management. Uh, not just the politics of the generals that you talk about. I think, you know, it's great we can have that sort of thing represented in the game that I don't think necessarily required. I think it's a great addition. It does add color and flavor. But these were... This was a war with very difficult domestic issues, especially on the Union side, uh, but also on the Confederate side, where not everybody is invested in the war. Now, a lot of these war games have you know, the fighting spirit, the morale factor. And if the morale and the fighting spirit gets too low, the war is over. Uh, I mean, Lincoln had to run for re-election against one of his former generals. Uh, ended up kicking his ass, but that could have been a close run thing if you know a couple of battles had had gone the other way. Um, I think the management of you know states and management of things like uh, conscription and uh, if not building factories, some of the economic issues uh, that face you know the North and the South, I think would are ideally represented in in some way or abstracted uh, in some way in the good uh, operational level uh, civil war game. Um, I, I'm maybe I am just too traditional. Maybe I, I I think that yeah. I mean, you can say well, it started with the Napoleonic tactics and ended with World War One fronts, but we still understand the armies as armies under a general marching together. So I really do think you should have armies as cohesive units and not as stretched out taxes. Uh, 
So yeah, they are, but the generals should also have different skill levels. They should have different priorities. Uh, I like that Grigsby has, you know, some generals are engineer types. Uh, so you'll want them in your siege craft and managing your artillery barrages and giving them command of that. I think that level of uh, variety is something good. This is a, it might make the game drag on a little bit longer, but I think if you're interested in the Civil War as a Civil War guy, if you're a Civil War guy, that's the kind of thing you're interested in. That's the thing you want to do. If you're just into the Civil War, if you're like a European and the American Civil War has no particular mythic importance to you, uh, then, yeah, maybe you just want to have soldiers marching up and down uh, North America and you free the slaves and you burn Atlanta, and that's great. But if you're really into the Civil War and you've read a lot of the Civil War like I have, I think having those types of personalities and variety and skill levels of the generals is something something important i think there's a certain i think they they can't just be chits on a board i think i think you lose something uh, when you have them just as chits and hq units yeah one of the things that i i noticed in uh the grand tactician tutorial or one of the help screens or something was that when it was talking about general feuding generals feuds uh it said that one of the things that could trigger generals to start feuding was if one of them had high initiative and one of them had low initiative. And I just thought that was like so perfectly simple and hilarious. Like yeah. this is, this is exactly the kind of like uh emergent narrative type of thing that I want to see. I want to see, you know, Grant getting pissed off that his core commanders are just not moving when he tells them to get their ass in gear. Uh, this is, this is good shit. Um, yeah. Uh, the thing I would add to that is I also want like the persistent armies, uh, not just like having the armies as their own things, which you do, you mentioned, but like getting to have like the rivalries between uh, between the armies, having the units be things that like get recognized. So when you see uh, Jackson's core show up, you know that the shit is going to go down. Uh, those kinds of those kinds of developing uh, emergent narratives through, uh, you know, different. I don't know the mechanics. The mechanics could be all kinds of different things, but yeah, the just the ways that it would be possible to demonstrate all these things. And you know, as I mentioned, the chaos. You know, I you know, really want be, chaos. One thing that would be great is is newspapers. Yes. In-game newspapers that talk about, I mean, the, you yeah. you have the detailed battle breakdown the Greens begins, but you're automating. You can automate battles in uh, Grand Tactician as well. But a newspaper that says this: what your units did, who distinguished themselves, uh, yeah. this sort of thing, so that you know the reputation is something in the back of your head, or you can have that filed away somewhere. Yeah, Grand Tactician has this sort of thing. It's very simplistic, but it is kind of there. Uh, the thing that makes it a little bit weird to me is that anytime you want to promote or remove a general, it's just like you click a button and it's done. Um, there's not like a political thing. You can't, uh, you, you don't have a general who's like got 
you know, half of the Congress behind him and refuses to leave his post or you'll lose the election or whatever. Uh, it's it's just sort of the this instant clicking. So like as soon as you see a general who does well in a battle, there's like no reason not to just promote him to somewhere else or something. I don't know. It's uh, maybe I'll discover more more of a pushback on that. But yeah, um, the these sorts of narratives that are somewhat outside your control. But uh, you know, when I was reading about the Civil War or rereading um, Battle Cry of Freedom. Uh, I think it was talking about how there would be like people in the North who would just sit in front of the telegraph office of their town waiting for every piece of news and then like talk about it and argue about it when something would come through, uh, you know, as it happened. Like there were these towns had a Twitter town square That's, going yeah, it was, on. <laughs> it was the uh, first Twitter. And like this is this is just like this super interesting thing where this is. This is this kind of early modern war that is not just happening in real time, obviously, like every war, but it's being perceived in real time. It's being understood in real time. Grant was considered like a massive loser after Shiloh, which in retrospect was one of the greatest victories of the entire war. Grant didn't not make mistakes during it, but he also, you know, was a steady hand that ended up turning that battle from a potentially disastrous loss into a massive victory. Um, but like, because everyone was just screaming on uh, a union Twitter at the time that Grant was a complete moron for having been ambushed, uh, that damaged his reputation for months on end. So Ian, uh, thoughts about what you want as like a non-Civil War uh, expert uh what 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 kind of high are you chasing or are you just happy with what you get here? Uh, like Troy, I think I, I and, and like you, Rowan, I, I, I feel like all of these games fill different facets of what I'm looking for in a in a Civil War game. I think um, uh, Strategic Command really gives you the sit down and play uh, kind of you know, moving across the map. Big things are happening. Um, Kind of engage like I, I've I've really appreciated that you get a good sense of the the geography of things. But then what I really really want is uh, something that looks and feels a bit more like Grand Tactician with all the um, the kind of sights and sounds and and aesthetics of of the period. And like one of the things that's really appealing to me about the the conflict to begin with is just as an American living on the East Coast, you know, like it's. I, I see where my town is I, like it's on the map and I can see what role it would have played and maybe a minor, you know, role in the supply chain. Uh, fine. But, uh, but giving me a chance to kind of dig into that and, and feel like there's that continuity to it, I think is really what, what adds something to just the, the concept of a civil war game in general. Um, but yeah, what I would like is, is just a grand tactician that was easier to play. Uh, like I, I, I know that, you know, Total War, the battles are kind of arcadey, but I, I still enjoy them. They're a spectacle to see. I've I loved uh, in Napoleon Total War, the, the thing that just give, gave me this just idiot thrill was looking at, for the first time in a Total War game, the, the, the cannon and uh, rifle smoke uh, rising up on the morning, uh, the sun kind of seeping through that, that fog that would eventually develop over the battlefield. 
so yeah, I kind of want that Ken Burns kind of like I love the the music and the um uh the the correspondence like sell me on the on the conflict and the time and I'll probably be pretty happy. But I I also think that you know to really get something out of it, I do want to be able to pull back and see what that the the politics that underpinned the conflict uh, how that the I want to see the dynamics of that like the what prompted a state to either join the union or secede uh what happened when as a result of that um you know kentucky going to the union for instance like what were i'd like to be able to feel the immediate effects of of that decision uh, and and uh and make my decisions based on that so yes somewhere in between i'd say strategic command and uh grand tactician lies this golden civil war game that I'm going to be able to actually have time to play and also really just be kind of blown away by. So Kentucky is actually a really interesting example for the differences in all three games. Um, So it's strategic command. There's a lot of events, like depending on what you do with Missouri, depending on uh, how you, whether you invade or not, whatever Kentucky will flip one direction or another. You can do diplomacy on it. Um, it's also interesting that like every other part of the map you have units spawn just outside of, but Kentucky, there are no units that spawn. So you actually have to start planting divisions and brigades. Uh, if you're the North, I don't know about the South. Uh, you actually have to start planting those, those units in Indiana and Ohio. If you want to, you know, defend central Kentucky from when the Confederates show up. Uh, so it's kind of a, it's sort of like a big deal, but it's not actually like that essential in the the grand scheme of things. Um, and Grand Tactician, Kentucky just sort of doesn't secede and then troops start moving through it. Uh, it doesn't have this huge political thing going on. It's just primarily the ground that you're going to be moving through. Mm -hmm. Um, There might be ways to get it to shift over to the Confederate side. If you move your troops in too early. Uh, But I think it's just that um, you can't move your troops into it until, uh, until the big decision point, which I think is is Lincoln calling for the 75,000 volunteers Um, in the Grigsby. However, it's got this, the map aspect of the game is so deterministic that if the Confederates can go to Patica in Western Kentucky, directly across the river from Cairo, and they can fortify that and they can hold that for as, as long as possible. uh, This gives them such a massive advantage in the war that like, this is the thing you have to do, but Kentucky is neutral. So if you move your troops to Patica too early, Kentucky will flip over to the Union. Meanwhile, you're the Union. You're playing this game of chicken where it's like, I know I have to start going into this state as soon as possible. But if I do it now, it'll flip the Confederacy, which means that I'm going to have to start garrisoning it with troops, which means my armies are weaker and so on and so on. So there's this huge game of chicken that like goes with the Lincoln quote about like, it'd be nice to have God on my side, but I must have Kentucky. Um, And like, it's just, you know, the sort of different philosophies behind the three games, the Grigsby one makes me feel the most like, you know, this is why Grant is such a great general is because he seized Patica before the Confederates even realized what was going on and was halfway down uh, the Tennessee river uh, taking 
Henry and Donaldson and seizing Nashville and this sort of thing is modeled within that game. But, uh, you know, it's not really modeled at all in uh, strategic command. And it's sort of like halfway, maybe you could try it in grand tactician. I need to, I need to work a little more about on my river maneuvering and seeing how forts work. Um, I, you know, grant is, Grant is just some minor brigade commander in my game so far. So uh, exactly how I'm going to go about that is like, it's all like in the game engine and maybe it's completely irrelevant. Um, But yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good way to frame the differences in the the three games. Um, I did have one final question. Uh, Did either of you accept Garibaldi coming to the Americas? I did not. I didn't. I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, So you get this major choice at the start of strategic command. That's like, as the union Garibaldi has offered his services, but he's fighting for freedom. So you have to do the emancipation proclamation. Also your whole thing is that this is an internal affair between or not between, but it's the United States taking care of its own business. It's policing its own problems. So if you invite Garibaldi, then obviously like this becomes an international thing, which makes it more likely that the other uh, European powers might intervene, which is like just an absolutely massive, like philosophical difference to start the game off with. And I think it's super European that that's the biggest one that they come up with is do you bring the European over? Um, and I think that, that kind of shows what strategic command is, is trying to do here. It's, it's, it's doing this European game that, uh, I think Troy was talking about, or maybe it was you Ian about, it was, you know, just trying to show the big, the big highlights that a European might know, but it's not trying to really get into the super American, uh, detail. All that Ken Burns stuff that I like. Was Garibaldi that big a deal? It was a big deal in Italy. Would Garibaldi have really required Lincoln to, you know, change his emancipation strategy? I mean, that, part of that, that, part of that, that, that's a bit of. I mean, that's even far beyond a turtle dove ultimate history thing. There. Yeah, and it it seems like that's sort of the point is like this is this is a way that just like has this war go off onto uh, some completely different track from the start. Uh, and I, I would just be interested maybe in saying yes and seeing if it that makes it turn into like a world war more easily or something like that. Well, you should do that tonight and let us know how it goes. Oh, I really no, I want to find that out because like especially after that decision point, how quickly I mean, England is champing at the bit. Uh, and is ready to recognize the South as a uh, belligerent state, like almost right away. So I, I like the, the decision seemed really important at the moment. And then when I declined it and they all recognized the South as a belligerent within a few months, like how many divisions does Garibaldi have? I think he had two brigades or something. Uh, it, the the game says the big thing is that like, it could help create a recruitment surge and also, uh, he's like by far the best general the union can get, but generals just seem so minor in that game that like, yeah. I was like, no, I don't need to. I just, I just need to have Irvin McDowell like wandering around in the background, maybe helping two units. That's clearly sufficient for now. 
Yep. Apple All right. Uh, any other final thoughts on uh, the entirety of the American Civil War? I think we've covered it. <laughs> yeah, we did it. The Civil War has been fully analyzed. Ian, how about you? No, that, that's it. We've, we've, I think, uh, we, we've, we've looked, we've considered the the American Civil War, and uh, I don't think that uh, there's any more that really can be said about that conflict. <laughs> All right, then. Uh, 3MA is supported by listeners just like you at 3MA.com slash or Patreon.com slash 3MA. Uh, this episode is probably produced by Liana Hafer. Um, we will be back next week or weekish. And uh, for Troy and for Ian, this is Rowan saying have a good night. <laughs>